Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Amen. Well, good morning, team. How are we doing today? It's good to, good to see everyone. Miss, missed you last week. We were away representing Westbridge at the uh, West Virginia Upper Goalie River whitewater rafting with 11 other guys. And glad to say we brought everyone back. Had a great time, fun adventure, and appreciate uh, Tyson leading our men's ministry and, and those opportunities. But uh, being away, one, on our way back, it was fun. We did worship with you via video, and it was good to, to be with you there. But nothing like being here together. But I was reminded, one of the sayings that we often say is, rows are good, but circles are essential. Rows are good, circles are essential. And just getting together with 11 other guys who love the Lord and encouraging each other in our walk. And last week, we were, as we were thinking about what's it mean to be a disciple, and we were on the third mark of a disciple, connecting in love, and just experienced that in a, a really significant way, spending three days with, with a group of brothers that um, might not normally be with. And so I uh, appreciated Tyson's message leading us into that. I hope you're experiencing that. And if you're not, we have opportunities to, to dive into a small group. I know we had several sign up last week and that was awesome. But today we continue our message series on this fourth mark of a disciple, which is one of the most exciting as we think about following Christ. And it can be summed up in that one word, grow. And we see this all throughout scripture, but one of the places that, that I return to often just to be reminded and pumped up is Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 that says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with an ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And think that is just an awesome reality that, that is going to be happening even in these moments as we receive his word and, and let him do his work. A couple, uh, not long ago, several days ago, I opened our mailbox and you know you have that normal stash of uh, colorful advertisements that rarely even make it into the house. I'm tossing them in the uh, trash can in our garage, just like useless information. But among them, i found this piece of paper with these words on the outside, open me. And it, uh, it caught my curiosity and I picked it up, but I was at first like, oh man, is this safe? Is, is this laced with anthrax or anything like that? Sniff test. I don't think Tam had her on anyone's hit list. So I thought I'll go ahead and live on the edge. I will do it. I will open it. I opened this piece of paper up to find these words. Leah and Lila's clay bead business, opening in, it had two, but then erased two, one, one weeks. <laughs> now, I don't even know what a clay bead is, but I can't wait to find out. It had me. I'm like, where and when and, and what's this look like? And what I loved about this was the passion in it. And I don't know Lila or Leah, but... Here are two young ladies, entrepreneurs, who are on it. And what I thought about was, okay, write these names down, set my alarm in 20 years, and Google, Leela and Lila's Clay Bead Business, and it's going to be up and running, right? 
And it reminded me of, of just the beauty of becoming. You know, this is not the end of the story. There is more to come. And these young ladies who are, who are out getting it done, getting up, getting busy, getting it done, so it is for us as we follow Christ. We are in the process of becoming. And so the question becomes, how does that happen? How do we become who God created us to do, to be and do what, what he made us to be and do? What's the, the transformation process look like? And God has given us a, it's almost like a cheat code in his word, through a disciple who experienced radical transformation. And what's neat is we get to listen in as he's at the end of his life. He's actually in prison in Rome we know that he'll be crucified, upside, or tradition has it, crucified upside down. It's Peter. God has also given him a, a glimpse into the reality that he doesn't have long to live. So there's urgency in what he's saying. And we're going to look at three growth catalysts that, that he just nutshells for us in Second Second Peter chapter 1. So if you would join me there, we'll begin reading first in verses 1 and 2 to context this. Verse 1 and 2, it says, Simon Peter a servant and, and apostle of Jesus Christ. The word servant there is literally slave, and apostle means sent. He's a sent one of Jesus. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. So speaking to those who have trusted Christ, notice how he refers to Jesus as God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Another reminder and clear affirmation of his deity but he says this, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord, and of Jesus our Lord. And I love the way that you just sense the spirit of Peter for these people, and it, really the spirit we have for each other is for you. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. And so this is the greeting. If you would, just to further context where we're at, look down to verse 12 as Peter says, so I will always remind you of these things. So we're going to read the things he's talking about. But notice his, his uh, really his philosophy of, of teaching. He says, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. So you, you almost feel like um, a good friend or a parent or a grandparent saying, when I'm gone, you are going to remember these things. And, and I love that. He's like, it is right for me to remind you. I know that you know these, but I'm going to say it again, say it again, say it again, until you just, you remember and think about what, what might your life message be for those who are who you love, and if you knew that, that it was soon. I've talked to a number or several people in their faith journey who just before God took them home, they had a sense, this is my time. I think sometimes God lets us know, other times he may not, but for Peter, he knew that, that he, was, he had limited time, and so it ups the urgency, it ups the, the uh, what, importance of what he's about to say to us, and he's just like, I hope you remember this. This is essential, and so what is it? That, that we are to remember. In verses 3 to 11, we see it. Three growth catalysts. The first one there can be summarized as a truth to see and celebrate. Verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. 
through these, his glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And so how do we grow to be more like Christ? What's that look like? And here we see the truth that we must know, a truth to remember as we set out to grow in him. And the truth is simply this. You can sum it up with this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. And you think the first thing Peter says is, hey, remember this, see this, and celebrate this. We grow not by our own strength or our own wisdom or our own effort, but his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Before God calls us to action, he reminds us that we that he will be the one empowering our transformation to be more like him. And what a comfort this is, what an encouragement, and what a, a celebration. I know sometimes I remember this week, I've been remembering when Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, from gentle, humble, and heart. You'll find rest for your souls. And, and sometimes the Christian life, when we start to try to do it in our own strength, can become a, a burdensome thing. But this is that reminder that, hey, as we go to be like Christ, it is by his power alone. How do we become like Christ? Is it our effort or God's effort? The answer is both. It's the divine human co-op, but it always starts with him and with this simple truth and just precious truth. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. What a a joy-inducing truth to wake up to each new morning and just know, okay, what, what has God given us? to to lead a godly life. One, through faith in him, he's given us a new heart. We are new creations in Christ. The old is gone. We still have our old self that tempts us, but we are a new creation in Christ. He has given us the indwelling Holy Spirit that empowers us and teaches us and, and guides us, directs us, convicts us. He's given us the ability in this text we see, and, and when, when he says, so that we may participate in the divine nature, a question rise, comes to mind, does that mean we become like, we become many gods? And we know, that, nope, that's heresy. We, we don't become gods, but we become like him in that we reflect his image and, and reflect the heart, mind, and, and life of Christ. Notice he also says in the text there, we having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And so he gives us the capacity to, to um, overcome and when temptations come our way, and when, when we're tempted by our own desires to, to follow him. And so this year, as we set out to be, become more like Christ, to live our lives as he would live it, we think about what's it mean to be a disciple, to live with increasing surrender to the empowering lordship of Jesus. How do we do this? How do we do it? And Peter would, would just say, hey, Remember this truth, celebrate this truth, cling to this truth, let this truth create worship, hope in your heart. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Can we just soak in that for a moment and just let that hit our soul and know that that this is doable, not because of my own strength, but because of his his gracious gift of, of all that we need, his power.
All right, so what is the next growth catalyst as we set out to to follow Christ? And specifically, if this is what God does, then do we have a part to play would be the question. And and if if we do, what is that? And he answers that question with the next verse. He says, for this very reason, because God has given you his power, make every effort to add to your faith. And then he will list seven core qualities of a a fully devoted follower of, of Christ. But the the second growth catalyst is this. It's a challenge to pursue. Make every effort to add to your faith. So we have a truth to see, but then we have this challenge to pursue, which involves us, which is, all right, let's really, when he says make every effort, he'll use this phrase again later in the text, but he's calling us to action. He's calling us out of complacency, out of uh, passiveness, of making excuses, of, of anything like that. And in the Christian life, as we follow Christ, we are to be active. We're, we're to be moving. We're to be um, making intentional decisions and then intentional actions to, to carry those out. Make every effort. Sidestepping complacency, be active. I love the illustration of the Christian life being like going up an escalator at the airport, except it's not the, the up escalator. It's the one that's going down. <laughs> and you're just having to, to bust it to get up there. And it takes effort. You say, well, why? Well, there's our own desires working against us, but you have, we have the world, everybody coming down the elevator representing the people who are not following Christ. We're having to dodge and kind of get through to get to the top. And I love that illustration too, because when we stop pursuing Christ and, and pursuing these things, do we just stay where we're at? Nope, we go down. And, and so there is an element where we need to be sweating in our, our uh, pursuit of Christ Make every effort to add to your faith. Notice the starting point here is our faith. And as Pastor Kyle mentioned, um, our relationship with, with God is, it, it starts with faith. It's not what we do. And precious, precious reality that we come into a relationship with the living God through faith in Jesus Christ and his work for us on the cross and we don't earn our way into his favor. We, we, we can know him because of what Christ did for us, not what we do for him. And so we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And today, if, if you don't know him and have not trusted him as your savior, his invitation is open to you. The starting point is faith, but, but true faith will always exhibit itself in a life that's changed. Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit, and there will be fruit that will come out. We are, uh, and, and so he lists those, and seven core qualities, core, uh, yeah, you could say competencies of a Christian, but, but qualities that we're to be developing as we follow Christ. So let's read through those. He says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. So he starts there with goodness, and goodness is the same word that he used up in verse 3 to describe our Lord. He's called us out of his glory and his goodness, and the word goodness there is really just a sum of all all moral virtue. It's that uh, seeking to bring good to the people around us. The book of Titus, which is a a book to a young, young pastor, that's, goodness is one of the themes, and there's a just a precious part of that where he says, God saved us so that we would be a people eager to do good. 
And just love that picture as you think about your life. Are, are you eager to do good? That, that's who we are. I love another summary of Jesus. He, he went around doing good. It was one of the ways the, the, gospel, the uh, gospel writer summarized his life. And so let's do some good. Let's do some good is the, uh, the idea. And how are we doing in that? How can I add to that? Is that the focus of my life? Second is knowledge. This is growing in our understanding of who God is, who we are, what God has called us to do and, and be about in his world. It's in relation to goodness. It's growing in our, in our understanding of why we do the good and right thing and um, why, that, why, why we should do the good and right thing. And so it's, it's an ever-growing, and the word knowledge also, there's an intimacy to it where we get to know Christ, and, and we, know, we know him through the fellowship of his sufferings. How do we grow in knowledge? And the answer is through his word, as God has revealed himself, who he is, and what he calls us to. Uh, Romans 12 talks about be, trans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and so that we'll be able to discern the will of God in our lives. And so our goal as we set out to follow Christ is to think like him. Transformation starts with, with a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing life in the world. And so our prayer... One of the prayers I find myself praying, especially hitting this season of life, is, Lord, keep me hungry for, for, your, for you, for understanding you, but, but help me not rest on what I already know and think I, I've got it, wise in my own eyes, but help me keep seeking to, to learn and to grow and to develop, Be, being teachable, being curious. The third quality there is self-control. So this is the capacity to carry out the intentions. Our intention to do good, we carry that out. And we will have opportunities to veer, tempted to veer, and it's developing that um, capacity and, and strength of will that allows us to keep on. Our, our greatest enemy in life is not out there, is it? It's, it's in here. And it's... Um, Allowing ourselves to, to pursue ease and, and pleasure and, and those things, caving to our good intentions. And so here he's calling us to, to uh, add self-control. We know this is a fruit of the Spirit. Proverbs, the wise man, paints a powerful picture in Proverbs 25, 28, when he says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. And so you picture your life as a city. The wall protects the city. But where there's a hole in that wall is where um, danger can, can slip in. And, and so it is with, with our spiritual lives. And so he's calling us to check the walls. And uh, are, are there any parts of my life that, that I am not following through on the intention of doing God's will? You say, well, how's that tied to where he says, add to your, to your knowledge, self-control? I think it's interesting he puts self-control here. What, what's the biggest threat as we add knowledge to our life? Pride. Knowledge puffs up. And knowledge is power. So there's a temp temptation to use knowledge rather than serving people, to control people, to manipulate people, to hurt people, to go get it. And um, rather than saying, okay, with this knowledge that God has given us, this is to be used to, to humbly love and, and care for. And self-control helps us not slip into that one. The, the, uh, the next quality is perseverance. This is learning to keep on when the external circumstances tempt us to slow. 
in our devotion to Christ. And this word means to bear up under a weight. It's a compound word in the Greek, hupomane, which means, okay, we've got this crushing weight on our shoulders, and we bear up under it. Interesting that there will often be times when God does not lift the weight, you know? And as, I, I love that picture of encouragement. Encouragement is not lifting other people's weights all the time. Sometimes it might be, but often it's not taking a person's burden, but it's coming alongside of them and saying, I'm here with you. I hope you carry the burden. How do we grow in perseverance? This is good news, bad news, or bad news, good news. There's only one way, and it's hitting your limit, right? And that's through trial. God tells us throughout his word, James, consider a pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. These have come so that the testing of your faith may, may develop perseverance. And so, if you are in a trial today, God has allowed a weight to be put on you. Don't despair on that. God's at work. And, and so that's where you, okay, let's go. We're in the gym and we grow in our perseverance. Godliness is the next word. And this is the, this word carries the idea of living with a sincere devotion to please Christ in every area of your life. So I love thinking about people who, who model this and it's just like, Wherever they're at, wherever they're, whatever they're doing, there's one thought in their mind, and it's, what's God think of this? And am I pleasing him and bringing him glory and, and joy? And then mutual affection is a sincere desire, or, or sincere desire to, uh, to make much of Christ, and our sincere devotion to him will always play out in the, the horizontal, where we seek to love each other. And this mutual affection is the one of the words for love in Greek, it's philos, and it's brotherly love, and it's what we have for family. And you know when you get together with family and you just sit down at the table and, and something happens where you, you, all, you know you're all for each other and there's a warmth and it, you can be yourself and um, there's not a, a judging and cold, critical, it's just your family. And what's awesome is God says, okay, as my child, see every person in your life like a brother, like a sister. And when they look into your eyes, they don't see judgment or coldness or a criticalness, but they see somebody looking at them like, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, I love you, love being with you. Sometimes we hear, I've heard, you know, it said, you know, God calls us to love people, but we don't have to like them. Wrong. He calls us to like him too. They're family, right? And yeah, we all have different personality quirks, so we do it in family. But we get together, we love each other, right? And we, we care, we do life. And that's, that's what God calls us to, to have as his family and to, to model. And then the last one there is love. And this is the agape love, God's love for us, pursuing the good of others regardless of their lovability or, or worthiness of that love. This is the love that fueled our Lord as he took our sin to the cross. And just this week, I was reminded of um, him praying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do, and that he would die, bleed for the people who are crucifying him, and then seeing Stephen in Acts 7 do the same as a follower of Christ. And as I love the text, it says, um, Stephen prayed, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And then it says he fell asleep beautiful picture of death, even a violent death, but, but just that picture of, of love to the finish, and that's what God is calling us to. <clears throat> so how do we grow, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> how do we grow in these qualities? 
What's it look like in your life to make every effort to grow? What, what would that look like this week? So I was thinking about this, or back to that disciple slide, I was thinking these are the five big habits that we talk about as followers of Jesus. Worship, reach, connect, grow, serve. Worship being that weekly gathering, reach being um, just praying for one life, connect being in a, a small group, growing that daily meeting with God in his word and prayer, and then serve being the, that uh, ministry that we're involved in. Just I was thinking, man, what a gift to have these lifelong rhythms of grace. And as I was going through these seven qualities, I was thinking each of, as I do these five habits, really these qualities inorganically are are being formed in me and opportunities to grow. But what about intentional this week? And what if today, was there one of these that God just kind of nudged you and said, hey, put some prayer on this and put some effort on this and um, seek to, to be active and intentional in developing in one of these. Was there one that came to mind? <clears throat> and then was thinking there's seven of them, so what if this week we took one a day and you just said, all right, Monday I'm going to focus on, you know, goodness. And then Tuesday I'm going to focus on knowledge and think about that. The tendency, I think, in the Word, of, come to the Word of God, especially on a Sunday preaching is you just hear it and it's like water off hard ground and you go on. But what if we really let this soak in? Two trees in our backyard I planted four years ago, a pair of trees and, and one of them is here. The other is, or actually one's in the backyard, the other is up in the side yard, two different kinds of soil. And I'll go out and dump, you know, 10 seconds of water on this one out in the front yard and it just splashes away. That tree remains about right here. The other in the backyard, I'm telling you guys, it is, it's been a lesson almost every time I water it. I'll, I'll dump, you know, 30 seconds of hose water on this thing, and it can't get enough. And guess how tall it is? I have to keep trimming it. Why? Soil. Good soil. And think about, man, when we, um, this week, if we would get just even one of these qualities and, and think about this text and say, God, would you just let deer work in my heart? We will grow in that area with his help. And so the next question becomes, all right, Peter's given us these, these seven core competency, competencies, but why does this matter? Why, why should we do this? Why make every effort to add these qualities? And, and next he gives us the, the third growth catalyst, which is a future to envision. He lifts our eyes to what will be. As he says in verse 8, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, okay, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and your election. Interesting there, we we see the doctrine of, of God calling us, electing us, but we are to confirm that and to make every effort to, to uh, live up to who we are. As he says, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it, here Peter lifts our eyes to, to what's to come and gives us, paints the picture of, of uh What's to be that's, that's fuel for us as we think about it? 
If we possess these qualities, they'll keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our lives. Basically, they'll keep us from wasting our life. And I always think about that scene from Schindler's List where he had been saving uh, people from Jews from the Holocaust, wealthy businessmen, but he gets to the end of his life, or the end, yeah, end of the war and realizes what he been, had, had been doing and just hits his knees and just is, I wish I could have done more. I wish I could have done more. I wish I could have, would have done more. And uh, we don't want to be there at the end of our lives. And as we grow in these qualities, he's saying, hey, these will keep you on track. And then um, I love the picture of not stumbling and he, the picture of a race. And we know Peter, you think about his life, he knew what it was to stumble as he stood between Jesus and the cross there the night before. But then um, as he let, let social pressure cause him to cave, denied Christ, but he also knew what it was like to grow. And with the help of the Holy Spirit to become bold in his faith and witness and to be faithful to his calling and you just sense him saying, hey, let these be a part of your life so that you cannot stumble and then you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that picture of you running your race, strong, fit, mature. The word in, throughout scripture for mature is teleon, that, that you would be strong so that when you cross the finish line, it's a rich welcome into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the question for us today, am I seeing that? Am I living for that? It's so easy for our, our minds, attention, hearts, affection to be drawn to earthly things, isn't it? And we're, we're to enjoy these things, um, get pumped up for them. I think even last Sunday, the Colts winning that game was has been inspiring us all week, right? That was fun. And the games we play, the, the pursuits we have, and, and all those things, but they are all a distant second to seeking first his kingdom, his righteousness. And we have set our eyes on a city to come, a city that's been prepared for us, a kingdom where uh, we will receive our reward. Our life today is hidden with Christ, Colossians 3. And he tells us, therefore, um, fix your eyes on, on that day and live for that day. So bringing it all together, the question of the day. God created us to grow to be more like Christ. He is transforming us into the image of Christ. But how do we get there? What's it look like? Peter, at the end of his life, gives us these three growth catalysts. The first one is a truth to celebrate. God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Second, a challenge to pursue. So therefore, add to your faith these seven qualities. And then third, a, a future to envision. We are on our way home, and may we live faithful to, to finish well. Dallas Willard, who God used greatly to um, speak into spiritual formation, wrote this book, Revolution of Character, and he wraps it up in a way that is just so good. It's summarizing the Christian life, and it put wind in my sails, and so we'll wrap today with this. Just hopefully this will encourage you as well. He said, the Christian life is a life of joy. This is not a lonely race we run, for we run with our teacher. We keep looking up at Jesus who gives us faith to run and who will bring us safely to the end. We concentrate on his thoughts, feelings, character, body, social bearing, and soul. We constantly learn from him. And he shows us how to let the entanglements, the weights, and the sins drop off so that we can run more effectively. 
As we run, we sense the Holy Spirit's divine assistance, making our steps lighter. We realize truth more strongly and see things more clearly. We find greater joy in those running with us, our companions in Christ, and those who went before and are coming after. His yoke is easy, we find. His burden is light. As our outer self perishes, our inner self is being renewed daily, on a daily basis. And no matter what the difficulty, we sing as we come. Deliverance will come. Hope lives. Amen? Amen. I can't wait to, uh, to run this year with you and to see God work in each one of our hearts, growing us up by His power for His glory to be more like Christ. And so let's pray together, and as we go to prayer, just invite you to express in your own words to the Lord gratitude for the power that he's given us to, to change, to be more like him. And then, just thinking back through those seven qualities, is just ask him, is there one that he would have you focus on and then asking him for help as you seek to uh, make every effort. And Father, as we fix our eyes on home, we thank you that you have given us what we need and this vision of being faithful, of being effective and productive in our lives, spending this day and this week in a way that will bring you glory, good to other people, and even eternal joy. And so we pray that you would help us to, to not stumble. And we look forward to that day that we enter your presence, and we thank you that you have created us for life eternal with you. We pray that you would help us as we are in our One Life initiative, Lord, that you would just give us a burden for the people who don't know you, that we would be faithful to, to share the gospel, but also live the gospel as we seek to become more like Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.